Welcome to Daring to Suck. I'm your host, Grace Askew, a veteran musician, songwriter, recording artist, and road dog who has been living and breathing my craft for over 15 years. Each episode will dive deep into what it truly looks like to be a working artist, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Come roll along with me, tumbleweeds. Okay, cool. Well, welcome to episode two of Daring to Suck, a Grace Askew podcast. I'm your host. And today we have a very, very special guest, none other than Park Chisholm. He is a multi-instrumentalist, a producer, a songwriter, a touring guitarist. He's just a renaissance man in every sense of the word. And I'm so honored to have him today on my show as the very first special guest ever. So thank well, you so much. I'm, I'm honored to be uh, asked to be here. I immediately wanted to interview you when I came up with this this podcast for sure. Well, I, I loved episode one. I listened to it. Oh, um, thank you. Walking the dog the other day. I actually listened to it twice. I really? Just, <laughs> I think it's, it's, I don't know if, if you find this, but one thing I love about co-writing and collaborating with people is how quickly you just like, you jump past a lot of small talk and get Absolutely. to- creating stuff so it was it was like so much stuff even though we've worked together on a lot of stuff there was so much in there I didn't know I was like oh I never knew that right yeah and that's what I'm hoping to uncover with you today because I just want to pick your brain after getting to know you as a a producer and songwriter I just I'm really interested in your backstory for sure and um to give a little backstory Park and I met it was the very first co-write that demolition music or publishing in Nashville um, assigned me to basically. And I was 25 weeks pregnant at the time. <laughs> and pregnancy brain is a real thing. I remember walking in to meet you and I was, my brain just blanked out on your name. I don't know if you <laughs> noticed how oh. it felt so awkward. I was like, uh, uh, hi. <laughs> and then I like went back to grab my guitar and we started the karate and it was fine. But I just remember I was like, brain fog, brain fog was real at the time. I was so pregnant. And, um, but it was just, it was such a blast right with you. And ever since our very first co-write that, that has ended up on this upcoming album. So that just goes to show how just uh, amazing it is to work with you for sure. Well, likewise, it was, um, I mean, I, I think we only hung out like an hour, hour and a half that day. I think we wrote two songs, two songs. Yeah. Like super fast. And we're just like, yeah, that's, that's cool. That's fun. <laughs> Yeah, and then you sent the production on it, and I was like, "Holy shit!" Like this guy. We've ever hung out in person. Do it. That's the only time we've ever hung out in person too. Was that hour? I know, and then now I'm out here in New Mexico, but and you're in Virginia. So, what's the the name of the town that you're in? I'm in Lynchburg, Virginia. Okay, very cool. And you do the the hustle. You drive to Nashville a bunch too, as well. Yeah, I do. I haven't been back since. Um, I think February of this year, I was usually going at least a week every month and then more, you know, if I had something I needed to be down there for, I would just hop and go. It's like seven and a half hours, which is, um, I don't know. I mean, I know you love the road and also I'm, I'm excited to talk to you about being an artist with a child now and how that's like, yeah, but I love, it almost feels like a, um, what do they call it in the, in the submarines, like the decompression chamber, like that seven and a half hours. Like I leave the house. Yes. Kids and like life in full swing. Your and brain has room to breathe. Kind of. Half hours of quiet just to like, a lot of times I listen to no music. I just drive. And then I get the same thing coming back. Cause usually that week in Nashville is really intense. I just 
you know, book as many co-writes and work as, as much and as, as many hours as I can fit into the day. And then coming back, I kind of need that. I need yeah. that, that break too. Yeah. No, I hear that. Um, and I wanted to, we don't have to be as chronological as my own, you know, artist journey was by any means, but I did want to kind of take, take it back to what was your earliest, what is your earliest memory of being creative and feeling this connection to your creativity or just maybe say music in general? Um, you know, I, I always, always loved music. Nobody in my family played anything. So there wasn't like, I mean, I have friends that, you know, grew up in really musical families and instruments around all the time. Um, I mean, I remember being a, a really young kid and my dad, my dad is actually super musical, but never, like you can tell it, he just never really developed it. Like he's got a, you know, he's mm. got a good singing voice and he, um, he's actually like a self-taught, uh, he's a self-taught drummer, nice. but the entire time I grew up, all he had, the, all, he had one like marching snare drum. Yeah. He had one drumstick and a pencil. And so he would just, every now and then he would pick it up and play. So there was not, there was not a lot of, uh, music around the house. Um, but I always just loved it. And we would go to, to his, his house, uh, the house he grew up in, in Tennessee. And he did have, you know, he had a guitar as a kid, but he never learned how to play chords. He knew how to play the melody to on top of old Smokey. And I think that was it. But the guitar it was never in tune. Nobody knew what to do with it. And I would just like, I remember sitting in what I guess was his bedroom growing up with this guitar. I didn't know what to do with it. I yeah. played it, so I'm holding it backwards and the high strings on top. And I just remember like plucking the string and turning the tuning pegs. Just How old would you have been at this point? I mean, maybe five, six, seven. Wow. <laughs> um, and I would just, you know, I just thought it was so cool. You could like, do this thing and then this string made this noise and then eventually things yeah. and you know um but the first you know, it, and then so I, I was born in tennessee but grew up on a farm in alabama and you know nobody around really played much and i remember being really interested in keyboards like i wanted this mm. was like, like 80s and there was you know you would walk through Walmart and there were just there were so many keyboards and they all had little drum sounds on them. And I was like, man, yeah. Are... Um, you already had that producer mind. Cause you could just, well, I, the long I, sound. I think I got one of those and, you know, for Christmas and played around with it for a few days and was like, this is hard and it doesn't sound very good. And didn't, <laughs> but, um, when I was 11, I moved to Georgia, a little town called Noonan, Georgia. Mm. And, um, there was a great Noonan is a, it's like a, just a classic Southern town. They actually film a lot of movies there because it has a, you know, just like an old court square oh, cool. courthouse and really picturesque court square around it. And there was a pawn shop on the corner that, I mean, as a kid being like 10 and 11 years old, you would go in there and I mean, they sold everything from like, you know, Chinese throwing star, you know, like the old throwing stars and nunchucks, yeah, nunchucks. to like hunting equipment, to like, uh, ski jackets to, you know, whatever a pawn shop would have. But then they did, they had a row of guitars. And I remember just going in there and just 
staring up at this wall of guitars and just, you know, thinking they were so cool. So my grandparents got me a, a really cheap uh, acoustic guitar when I was 11. And I, I was thinking about this the other day. What I just did. So there was nobody in town that, that really taught guitar lessons. So my granddad had, it was a friend of his younger brother who was probably, he was probably 60 or 70 at the time. And he was just an old, just an old drunk living in a trailer on his brother's property. And he had gone to Nashville to uh -huh. be, he wanted to be a songwriter and wanted to be a musician and, you know, drank too much and the breaks didn't happen for him. So he moved home and moved into this trailer and he was just like this broken soul, wow. but he could play and he could sing. So my, my mom would take me over there like no way on Sundays and drop me off at this trailer in the woods <laughs> for like three hours. And this dude, like his daughter would come by and bring him like sacks of pills. Like all this dawned on me later. Like this was not like the best, not the best environment. This sounds like something from a, like an amazing biopic that needs to be made on your life. <laughs> but he was he was a really sweet guy and uh and a really cool guitar player i mean he did kind of like hybrid picking style guitar so he you know he was like you know learn to play with your fingers don't always use a pick you know he had some some interesting interesting things so hmm. so anyway I, you I, knew, would you say that you wanted to do music when you kind of met this first person who had this real connection with it or when when did you kind of find through think that i mean nobody since nobody in my family did it and they were all you know teachers and you know my dad was a banker and you know lawyers and stuff I mean, it just it didn't seem like something that you really did mm. so i don't think that i ever really thought it was a viable option no i mean i always loved doing it I always was like yeah this is fun you know okay. and my, my family was really supportive um yeah. but it just i didn't think like Oh, this is a job that people do. Right. Uh, the only person I knew that did it professionally, and this was a, a pretty big one, but uh, my best friend growing up, he's a, um, I don't know if we've ever talked about him. He's a brilliant songwriter, musician. His name's Adam Wright. Oh, uh, we have. Nashville. And um, we grew up together and, you know, taught each other, you know, learned to play guitar together and played in bands together all growing up. But, um, his uncle is Alan Jackson. So oh, wow. know, massive country star. So as we're growing up and we're, you know, we're learning like, I don't know, whatever, like it was certainly was not Alan Jackson songs when he was like, yeah, my, you know, my uncle's, a, you know, he's a country star and we weren't really listening to country music. So we, it didn't, it wasn't as impressive as whatever was on MTV at the time or whatever. Yeah. we were. And then later, you know, as growing ups, we were like, wow, this, you know, but he was the only dude that we knew that was, you know, that was it. So it, yeah. so it, it never felt like, you know, a, a career path. So, I mean, I went to college and I studied English. Okay. I thought you went to, to Vanderbilt for music. No, again, I mean, I, I had, you know, the music department at Vanderbilt is, is, um, is pretty formal. It's pretty, you know, classically based. I mean, I, I had no, right. I mean, I learned in a trailer in the woods. I, if, you know, I didn't know anything. Yeah. So I took a couple of guitar classes while I was there, but I was, you know, I was an English major. And oh, um, okay. yeah, I mean, I, I think like if there was a, a theme early on, it was like, oh, well, you know, 
I like playing music, but real musicians are doing another thing, you know, like they're in like, I can't, I couldn't be in the music department at this school that I'm going to. And there's like people working at this as a job, but I don't, that didn't seem like a real thing, but I just loved it. And I just kind of, you know, I mean, I was always in bands. I was always playing around town. I was always yeah. trying to singer or were you the guitarist in these bands? Um, I was always more drawn to writing the songs and I wouldn't say I was drawn to singing, but a lot of times by default, I would end up being the singer, but I, I, I always like to have somebody in the band that was better than me at playing guitar. Really? For sure. Yeah. I didn't want, I, I didn't want, you know, I, I didn't want that job per se. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I mean, I really like, I, I, I'd never, you know, I, and I think when I, when I got into kind of backing other people up, you know, or working with other people as part of their bands, when that, mm-hmm. you know, started to become like a, a job, I always approached it because I'd had experience, you know, putting bands together and, and trying to, you know, coordinate, you know, I, I just tried to, to well how would how would I want somebody to if they were in my position how would I want somebody to handle this how would I want them to approach the song or how would I want right. them what did try- you think yeah where did you find that ear for how a song should sound is it just from listening to a lot of different types of music because I feel like that might be something that a great producer would need is like this this like dictionary so to speak um all different instruments and yeah, I guess, you know, just listening to a lot of stuff. And then, I mean, I just, I learned from a lot of really great people. And some of my earliest experiences in the studio um, were me going in to record my songs and just getting really good musicians around me. Right. Okay. And that just kind of opened my eyes. To, plenty of session players. <laughs> Amazing yeah, session players. And I think that, you know, some of it was like, you know, I, I think even if I wasn't sure that I was going to be a professional musician, I loved being in Nashville and I loved going out, you know, to the bars and just watching these guitar players. And I mean, at the time, I, the only thing I played was guitar. So, you know, watching these guitar players just, I mean, yeah, brilliant stuff for, you know, 40 people in a, you know, in a bar on a Tuesday night and just going, Holy shit. There's, I mean, the amount of talent in that town and my, the main guys, like I loved, there's a guy named Will Kimbrough. Yeah. He's still like one of my, you know, favorite, um, guitar players. Uh, Kenny Vaughn was playing or do you know Kenny Vaughn? Uh, I don't, I know Will though. That's Kenny. Yeah. I think Will's he did a bunch of stuff in Memphis too. I think. Yeah. Isn't that Amy LeVere's husband? Isn't that right? No, am I thinking of Will Kimbrough? Um, this Will He was in a band called The Biscuits a long time ago. He played okay. with Todd Snyder, who was a Memphis dude. Yeah, when I first started, but he's you know he's he's a awesome. He makes beautiful solo records. Um, but he was one of the first guys that I remember seeing in town. And he's music out more now. Yeah, yeah, he's super cool. So uh, I don't know, man. Just watching him, watching people play, and and just going there. They're like, like they just understood stuff. Like they understood yeah. the pocket, like how you play in the pocket and mm-hmm. tone, how, you know, 
and this stuff I didn't know anything about. So I just was like trying to soak yeah. it up from people who I knew, knew a lot more stuff than me. So I would go in the studio, you know, and, and, you know, be around these guys and just try to, you know, yeah, try to learn. There was another guy named Eric Fritch that I met early on in Nashville who, um, we recorded together a ton and, and he was one of the first guys that, um, that started to hire me to play on, you know, to play on other people's stuff. And okay. I mean, I, he, he, you know, kind of took me under his wing and, and, and taught me a ton about, you know, just about all of it. So, yeah. Um, would, would you say on the writing side of your career, um, your English major helped at all or cause you're oh, yeah. always amazes me when you're like sending these rough demos of ideas. I'm like, how does, how did he just come up with that this morning? <laughs> well, you're sweet. I, I, that's, um, yeah, for me, it's all, it's always that, you know, it's always, um, you know, I, I'm, I, you know, I, I, some people say they listen to music, but they never listen to lyrics. I mean, I'm always, and it doesn't have to, you know, I, I don't need it to be, you know, dense, mm-hmm. you know, but it, there, there has to be, you know, something about the lyrics that, that really, you know, hold the whole thing together. Yeah. Yeah. So I, always, been- I, that was always, I mean, that was part of, I, I think in the back of my mind, part of why I wanted to be an English major was just to, learn more about you know words and learn more about writing and poetry and how people put things together and how I wish I had majored in English now <laughs> well but you majored in I mean just listen to the I mean I think a lot of the, the majored song- in dive bar life <laughs> yeah but a lot of the songs I mean I went to I went to music uh I went to college for music business and yeah. was bored I, out I, of my mind with the legalities of you know a lot of those classes so dropped out, but I no. wish I'd stuck with just, you know, like you did with focusing on the writing side of things. Yeah. I mean, and it's, I, I kind of think about, um, you know, if, if, if at any point I had written what I wanted to be, I mean, this is true about life in general, but certainly if I'd written what I wanted to be my, you know, my story as a musician, it would have been a pretty narrow, you know, it would have been, I write songs, I go sing songs and I'd like, and that would have been awesome. Yeah. That did not happen for me. And I was, once I decided, all right, I think, you know, in what I, I got out of college and had a couple of, you know, jobs and was just like, man, none of the, you know, you, there's, there's no real safe career. I mean, there, I guess there's a few safe career paths, but I would, an English major did not prepare me for any of those. So um, once I figured that out, I was like, well, if, you know, if there's no sure thing, I might as well, you know, I might as well do this, but. um, Yeah. So you were interested in pursuing music full, full time after you left college and got out of college. Yeah. And I think originally you know, I wanted to be the guy writing the songs and singing the songs. And I just started getting gigs very casually, just, you know, sitting in with friends or backing up friends on instruments. And, um, my wife, Sarah bought me a bass, you know, cause I was like, oh, a bass would be fun to have. And then I just started telling people, Hey, I'll play bass for you. I mean, I didn't know wow. how to play. bass. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't have a bass amp, you know, but I, I kind of thought, 
well, if I have a gig, yeah, I'll certainly have to learn something between now and then. So, um, yeah, so, so that, you know, the, the doors just kind of started opening in those directions. And I was, um, I think, uh, aware enough to know that paying work in music is paying work in music. And I'm going to, you know, I'm going to follow where those doors open. Yeah. So, so your question about how, you know, how the brain starts to, you know, figure out how to put things together production wise. Yeah. I, I think there have been long periods where I've been really, really focused on guitar. Mm. Like maybe I'm on a tour with somebody and like, all I'm thinking about is electric guitar and like what combination of guitars and amps and, you know, pedals or slides, like what's the combination that gives me the sounds I need to do yeah. that. That's that was a narrow, very narrow focus. And then there were a couple of years where all I played was bass. So all I'm thinking about is bass and bass yeah. tone. You know. And then at some point, you know, I, you, you've kind of done enough little, um, I guess is how they make doctors go do residences, residencies in their, yeah. you spend a, you know, six months as a, in a pediatrician's office and six months in a, you know, mm-hmm. your nose and throat, whatever. So I don't know, just all those, the little pieces of knowledge that I kind of picked up playing for other people or, you know, kind of, um, kind of. What is your production process like? Like when I sent you, like a rough of me, my vocals and guitar, how do you kind of, do you have to kind of get in this zone and kind of listen to the rough over and over? I'm just so curious in how your brain works when you start forming, like painting the picture of what yeah. you hear. With, I mean, yours, you know, working on, and they're all a little bit different, but your project was so relatively easy because I mean, the vocal was always badass and the guitar was, always, I mean, it was already there. <laughs> yeah. a lot of times like build this thing from scratch you got to figure out like i mean for me i'm always looking for like what's the heartbeat of the thing like what's what's the main thing that right. is in service of and for you like it, it was already there like your your guitar playing and your singing are such one thing and they're they're I, they're so unique there that it was like well everything's just got to be you know, in service of that. So with yours, usually, you know, I would kind of start from the, from the ground up and go, all right, are there, are there drums in this? What are the, you know, what's the flavor of those? Like what, what's their function? Does it need to feel like a drummer at a kit or does it need to feel more like just random stuff that you're banging? Is it just like accent? Um, And a lot of times for me, because I'm, I'm not a drummer, at all it ends up being a combination of all those it's like there's some there's some like steady like kit elements but even those might be a little weird they wouldn't you know and then it's a lot of just kind of percussive you know banging on stuff and um and then kind of once once that's there you know then it's it's what are the what are the interesting flavors that kind of again you know are in service to, to the main thing and are helping to tell the story and maybe pulling out, you know, 
a flavor of what the story is or where the story's set or yeah. really they're just reacting to to how you're playing and how you're singing and where the space mm. is. I like that. Where, yeah, where put it. And, and sometimes those spaces need to stay there. And then sometimes they, you know, a little, you know, I think of it like, you know, once you get the canoe going down the river, a lot of times all you got to do is, you know, just put your paddle in occasionally. Like you don't have to do a lot yeah. of work. So, you know, if you can get it to that point where structurally it's all there and the, and the main thing is, 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 is doing its job, then everything else can just be, you know, um, more fluid. Yeah. More fluid and, and kind of accent. And it can also, you know, the more you hold that stuff back, the more impactful it is when you bring it in, you know, yeah. I, I, I don't know. I, your, your project was really fun because I feel like we had a lot of, I feel like we ended up with a lot of really stripped down moments that, mm -hmm. And when other things happened, you know, they, they were, they could be really impactful. Right. Have you ever had a project that you were asked to produce that was really tough? And do you remember why it was, it was kind of, you struggled? Um, I mean, you know, obviously you have to name names, but just. I'm trying to think, you know, I, I don't know. Usually if it's something that I'm, gonna do i mean the the things that are hardest to do are the things that i think may just be outside of my wheelhouse in terms of the way i play or in terms of the way i think about things but usually you I mean, just I, say yes to what you feel would be in line with yeah, i mean that you know um and so those things, you know, so, you know, individual songs will have challenges of how they're put together. And sometimes mm -hmm. you have to, you know, tear things down and put them back up. But I never feel like, I, I never really feel stuck. Usually yeah. if I feel stuck on something, it's just because I'm tired and it's, you know, I need to just kind of get away from it for a little bit. Right. But I, I think, you know, one thing that that helps me as a producer is I, I just kind of keep moving forward. Um, and I, I, I feel like I see people that, you know, they'll, they'll kind of get unsure about something and then they'll double back and they'll kind of redo it. And then they'll have you know, six different, and I, I certainly do a lot of, you know, I come at it from a lot of different ways, but I don't, I feel like I, I, I have a, for some reason, my brain, is okay with not knowing and is okay with, well, let's move forward and it'll, you know, it'll work itself out somehow. Really you seem to have, yeah, I, I was actually, I have that in my notes about you is you seem to have this really sense of abundance in your mindset. And we've spoken about this before on the phone. Um, there's because the music industry kind of, it's built upon a little bit of a scarcity mindset where we need them. We need you know, the gateway men to kind of get to where we need to go. But as a producer and as a songwriter, you seem to have this like Zen master kind of, I don't know, mindset to you. That's just, we'll make more music. You know, the music will always be there. There will always be more songs you can push through. I've just kind of gotten that from you. And well, how, do you how do you kind of, how did you build that mindset? Do you think it's just kind of your personality or? I think it's a little bit my personality. Um, and I think also, 
um, and I, 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 I very much connected, you know, when, when you talked about your year where you said, I'm, I'm doing this every day for a year, it's almost like you kind of, you kind of get a little blue collar with it and go, well, this is, this is my job. This is what I do. I get up and I do this. Yeah. Um, and I, I've, there's a, uh, have you ever read that Stephen King book on writing? I haven't. I have it on my bookshelf and I have not even. It is. It. I, I recommend it to, to every writer or just really creative person, because I, I think, you know, he, he just, he has a very just blue collar approach to it. Like you just, you just do it, you know? Yeah. And I think that, you know, the only time that I get, you know, kind of itchy in life is when I'm not just showing up and kind of working on it a little bit, because what I've found is that if I can, you know, and for me, it's usually early morning, you know, if yeah, I can same. just like carve out the time and just fresh minded and just like let my brain, you know, kind of have a little free time and just sit with a, you know, and usually I'm not sitting with a guitar. Usually I'm just sitting with a laptop and I'm just like, I'm just looking for words, you know, just like a, just a feeling. And, and I feel like, you know, the more blue collar you've been about actually building songs and putting songs together and what rhymes with what, and is that a good in that verse? Is that, does that chorus have in like the more you've done that, then you know how to do that. Then you really just need like the, you just got to have the inspiration. Exactly. Yeah. You know what I mean? um, so I don't, I don't know. Maybe I should worry about it a little more, but I just kind of feel like if I'm making the time and finding ways to yeah. keep my brain fresh and keep myself excited. And sometimes, sometimes that means, I'm a little tired of playing guitar. I'm putting that down. I'm just going to do it all on, you know, weird synthesizer pads. Exactly. I get burned out on guitar too. Like, or sometimes just not, not even like, you know, not even use an instrument, but just find ways to, to make it, you know, make it feel fresh and, and, you know, and then just seek out other art that's, that's moving. You know, there was a, a lot of questions from people kind of questioning my daily songwriting challenge and quality over quantity. And it's, it was never about that. And I'm sure you, you understand that it's, it's not about every single day being a quality song. It's just about going through the mechanisms of writing yeah. a song. It's going through the process of getting comfortable with it. Uh-huh. It's not about every day being this fluid formulaic perf, you know, bit of perfection. So I, I love that you said it's kind of a blue collar job. That's a really good way to put it. I just think it, I mean, I, it's not for everybody, you know I mean? Some yeah. people, and I'm always amazed when I hear people say, and usually it's, it's artists who are, you know, they're, they, you know, they'll write for an album. Maybe they write, you know, 15, 20 songs, and then they pick the best, you know, nine, 10, 11. And then they, you know, and then they don't write for a couple of years and then they'll do that again. Mm-hmm. Sometimes, you know, that's brilliant, but I'm sure that those people are finding other ways to keep their creativity stoked Totally, and they're finding other outlets for it so that when they do 
you know, turn their attention to, to the, to the task of writing songs, you know, they don't have to just turn the spigot on. The spigot's already been yeah. on. Just right. Make- like it's Lucinda Williams talked about that in this recent interview in Cowboys and Indians magazine, how she, she has that same process where she won't, she won't really write for years, but she's like, songwriters are always working whether we realize it or not, because we're observing the world around us and kind of taking mental notes or actually writing a note about something interesting you heard in a booth, you know, in the diner or something, but it is true. We're ideal workers. So what we do is intangible. You can't see that we're working, but we always are naturally kind of more observant kind of people. You certainly seem like an observant kind of person, um, which helps for sure. But I also think that I have to, um, I think that, I, I do have to apply a little bit of discipline to it and make myself. Mm-hmm. I don't know that I, that because there, there've been years, you know, when I was on the road playing with other people um, where, I mean, I wasn't writing at all. Yeah. And I just, once I had the opportunity and really it was, you know, when I joined uh, Kevin's band and, was able to kind of let some other things go. And Kevin Costner, by the way, for our listeners, I didn't mention that before. (laughs) Buckle down. And and he was such a gracious um, band leader, welcoming me into that fold and saying, you know, I I was used to being um, a sideman in a, in a band where you kind of, you know, you get the music and you go, okay, cool. This is, this is my little, you know, this is what I do. This is my job on the assembly line, so to speak. Yeah. Um, and I, I took a lot of, uh, pride in, in trying to do that really well and trying to, you know, always show up and, and be on for those moments. But man, there was something like, it's like the skies opened up when I, I I'd played like two gigs with him and, and had very much approached it like a sideman, like, okay, I know all your songs. I've learned the harmony parts. I'm ready for the show. And I, you know, showed up at his house for the first rehearsal and, you know, we're like sprawled out around this house and it, it's as much like a high school band as anything I've ever done. And you know, is that in Montana or something? Or where is, where is uh, that? That was out in California. He has oh, a place okay. in Aspen too, but uh, this was at his, his California house. And okay. I was like, Oh my God, this is like the joy of being in a band and like creating. And then when he said, Hey, if you got any songs you think would be good for the band, I was, it was, I was just like, First of all, who says that? You know? Right. Yeah, and I mean, he didn't, you know, didn't know me from anybody. Um, but I think I was so grateful to have just that little sliver of light because I knew, you know, I, I wasn't really interested in making records for myself. Um, I just needed like an outlet. I needed like a little sliver of like, oh, well, this is where these can go. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And that just kind of, you know, that kind of cracked it open for me. And I was, and then I kind of, you know, dove back into writing, you know, as much as I could. And How um, many years were you on the road with, uh, as his guitarist in his band? Um, I'm going to say, I mean, it's been like 12 or 13 years probably that, oh. yeah, it's been a long time. And we, you know, when I first started playing with him, I'll never forget. I, I had a good friend who who was playing with him, and the band was in its its really early stages. And uh, 
they had decided that they wanted a you know a second electric guitar player who could sing high harmonies and this is my buddy teddy morgan who's another guy that i mean the, the amount of stuff that i've learned from him yeah. in the studio and and about guitar and just about music and continue to learn from him just just it just keeps going but uh he and i'd worked together a bunch and he was in the band and he said hey we you know can you come out and do this gig and the band that i was touring with at the time was um you know we we had a little break and so i went out and did the gig and mm-hmm. so much fun and came back and i remember uh john coinman another guy in the band who was one of kevin's best friends for you know for 30 years uh called you know that the next monday and he said man that went great we just we loved you know having you out here you did so great we'd love to have right. you on you know all the shows we're doing and i was like oh cool this is a new gig i was like yeah what's uh you know what, what what's what's happening he goes oh well we don't have any gigs but if we have any we'd love for you to do them and i was like so a job offer like what what is that and he was like well, we'll we'll call if we get any gigs but it was so much fun and i just it seemed like such a different um you know i was really at that time was really functioning in the uh kind of music row machinery of you know the touring band you know out on the bus playing and then the artist comes back and writes the songs with other people and then goes in the studio with, dream. with the session <laughs> band, which is different than the touring band so it, you know i'd kind of gotten in this mentality of all right well this is kind of where i fit so um his his situation was so different that i was like man I got to just, I'm going to quit this other gig. Kevin has no gigs. Maybe it'll turn into something. Maybe it won't. But yeah. I think I'd if I didn't at least, you know, at least follow this really interesting thing that he and Absolutely. the so, so anyway, I quit and we got a bunch of gigs. And, you know, for a couple of years we toured, you know, we toured Europe a bunch and toured the States a bunch. And, um, and we've always, I mean, there've been really busy years and then there've been years where we'll do, you know, 15 or 20 shows, but, yeah. um, but we're always, I mean, I, I write with, uh, with a couple of those guys, you know, every week or every other week. And, um, and when Kevin gets really busy with movies, you know, it's, and TV stuff, it's, it's great. Cause he'll, you know, he's very gracious and and he'll send us a script and go, Hey, you guys, you know, let's try to write something for this. Or you guys, if you got any songs that fit this. So it's, um, well, I mean, what a, just an amazing, you know, I, again, like I, any way that I'd written the story would have never, there's no version of it that would end, you know, that would would have resulted in my being, you know, a guitar player in his band and writing. They're just like my imagination is not that is not that good so i'm glad that that um as doors opened i was not yeah. enough to kind of stumble what an experience too to ex- just the level the budget level of something like a production like that i would just love to you know just to ha- see the mechanisms of touring with a full-on band going to europe i mean yeah and it's you know it's interesting we we have pretty much done it all kind of 
as an independent band. I mean, our, the first record we put out um, was on Universal South, um, or they they distributed it. But it's always been, you know, something that has, you know, it's just like a little independent band that that I mean, it's it's that it just kind of chugs along, and it it's always been, you know it's it's never been I, I hate even the term vanity project because i don't i don't even know what that would mean but i kevin's band has always been a working band that has been a has has every tour had to end up in the black you know we're we're all like it's got to make sense you know it's, it's like a yeah. got to be a business that that the numbers make sense at the end of the day so um hmm. So it's always, I, I think. I've, That's interesting to hear. Yeah, I've always been. You know, it's it's never been like, oh well, you know, Kevin's gonna kind of pay for us all to go um, do this. That's what I. That's what I kind of assumed about it, honestly. Yeah, I think I think that's a that's a an easy assumption and a common assumption, and maybe you know other bands work that way, but this one's always been like, no, we got these offers for dates. Here's a budget we got. How are we get? <laughs> yeah, here's, here's what we're gonna do. Can we take? You know, we're gonna do one bus. Can we do two buses? Do we need to like fly some people there and some people yeah. take there? It's just like you know, it's very. Um, yeah, I just like it that it it actually, you know, is actually a a good little you know business. You know, yeah. Um, you were touring for 12 or 13 years on and off, but in that time, when did you start getting your interest in being a producer and, and kind of forming relationships with other artists who were interested in you producing them? Um, honestly, I think I just got to, and, and I wonder if you had the same experience. I just got kind of tired and antsy with always having to have other people do it for me. Mm, yep. And you probably, probably could hear in your own head what you wanted. Well, I, but at, at the time I got into it, I'd, I'd had, you know, a decent amount of experience being in the studio and playing on other people's things, but always again, as like, you know, this is, this is my role in the studio. I'm, I'm, I'm hired on this one as a guitar player hired on this one as the bass player, you know, sometimes there's some overlap, but, um, and I always loved being in there, but I really, for the longest time, I wasn't interested in being the person that was putting it all together. I mean, even though I, you know, my, I'd been kind of thinking that way of, well, this is how, you know, guitar can fit into this. This is how bass can, this is how, you know, harmonies, yeah. like, I was working on all the pieces, but it just seemed like a lot of work, man. Like, you know, <laughs> Mixing and recording, and then you got to get the right mics, and then you got to figure out how to make them sound good. And it just seemed like the, the learning curve was so steep, and um, I wasn't afraid of work, but I I was just I just knew the amount of time that it was going to take to actually. Yeah, get I'm sure it's, it's overwhelming. Was a lot. So we had a year with Kevin where um, we did a uh, a couple months in Europe, like right at the beginning of the year. Um, we might've been over there two months, maybe three months. I can't remember, but we got back and I just had like a stretch of time. Yeah. Normally when I would get back, I would kind of, you know, I would kind of 
put some feelers out and hey you know like anybody let's go do some gigs like try to find some work right and this year i was like man i'm just gonna i'm just gonna hunker down and try to figure out how to i mean all i wanted to do was like i just need some basic basic can i record a good vocal sound and a good acoustic guitar sound and maybe you know I'd heard of loops. I had no idea how to make one. Like, can I just get that? And like, yeah. how do you, how do you get reverb on a vocal? Yeah. Then how do you get it from the computer out of the computer into like, you know, just the basic stuff. And my wife, um, Sarah, uh, Sarah Beck is her name and she's an awesome mm-hmm. human first off, but just an awesome songwriter and musician and, and really fearless, uh, about jumping into stuff that she doesn't really know how to do. She's sewing her own jeans right now for the first time. And oh uh, wow! You know, um, but she had, you know, she had been playing around with GarageBand a lot, and and I think it was, you know, it was, certainly was a collaborative thing where we were like, man, we gotta, we gotta figure out, you know, figure out how to do this. So you know, we got a little bit of gear, and I, I leaned on a lot of people. You know, Teddy, I'm, I'm surprised he still answers. As much as I called him and, you know, asked him stuff and Eric Fritch, the other guy I mentioned, I leaned on him. I mean, just people that I'd worked with. I was just mm-hmm. like, how did you do that thing that did this? And, um, and I love that community aspect of it where they just were so freely just were like, oh, here's how you do it. Here's the, you know, here's exactly the thing I did to get that. I love it. Never proprietary about any, you know, never garden any tricks or just like, no, this is how, this, here's how you do that. Nashville is definitely more open, like a, a more open community I've found than, than a lot of towns. I'm not going to name names, what town, but um, yeah. Well, I've certainly had that experience that people like, you know, they can't wait to talk about really cool stuff they've figured out. Yeah. You know, it's up to, it's up to each person. I mean, you, you just because they told me they kind of, mic that would be a good mic or here's a cool reverb or here's a trick to do this yeah doesn't mean i'm going to be any good at it it's you know i mean it's still up to the to the person to kind of figure out how to so anyway so sarah and i you know we kind of hunkered down with pro tools and just started to figure it out and um had you found a space or did you kind of find a space in your house or like in a you know in a room we at the time we were living in a uh a little thousand square foot two bedroom house over in East Nashville with three, sometimes four dogs. We didn't have any kids yet. So every, you know, so much free time. So much free time. <laughs> yeah. So we just like took one of the bedrooms and just set up in there and, um, it just started making some really bad sounding shit. <laughs> <laughs> got to start somewhere. You got to dare to suck. <laughs> like in uh, anybody who like asked me, like, how do you, you know, like when friends, you know, songwriting friends are like, what do I need to get? What do I need to do? And I'm like, man, don't even think about what it's going to sound like at the end of the day. Like be, be excited that you even got the mic to work. Like yes, that's yes. The smallest building blocks are like, yeah, that mic worked. Right. How do I make it sound better? Now, how do I make, you know, um, and you just kind of build off that stuff. So, so we, we just kind of hold up with it and, yeah. um, and actually one of my favorite things we've done is we made, uh, I guess this would have been, 
well, it would have been nine years ago, nine or 10 years ago. No, nine, because Sarah was pregnant with our first daughter who just turned eight. Oh, wow. Um, we had since moved into another house and we, um, you know, we, we had gotten pretty good at making demos and little recordings and mm-hmm. Sarah wanted to make kind of an acoustic album. Um, and it's one of my favorite things that we've done together. We were, you know, in this new house and just and tucked away in one of the bedrooms and she's like, you know, seven months pregnant trying to sing. And she's like, I, I can't I sing. Telling me this. Yeah. Yeah. So like the whole, the whole thing, like she listens back to it now and, and, and is aware of like how quietly she was singing because she couldn't get a full breath. And, you know, it's just, it's, it's, What's um, the name of that album? Uh, it's called a simple thing. A simple thing. Okay. Yeah. So that was, that was a really, really fun um, early recording that we did together. And that, you know, we brought like, um, there's a guy named David Henry, who's a really great uh, cello player. I mean, he does a ton of great stuff, but uh, we like brought him over to the house. And, and the other thing, like when I started recording people, like, I don't know where to put the microphone on a cello. Right. That's how I felt. But yeah, I knew, last record. So I'd said, Hey, come over. And then I'd just like put him in the room and I'd put the microphone in there and just kind of walk away. And then he'd like exactly where it went. He was bigger than me. I had to get an engineer friend during my denim and diesel record. I just cut in our creaky old house in Eads and just produced it myself. But I had that same experience, but I just got my engineer friend to like set it up for me and kind of watch. Cause I'm such a visual learner. I had to like watch him do it so I can learn how to do it. But yeah, it's, it's, it's so daunting in the very beginning. Yeah. I mean, it just like where, and still, I mean, still to this day, because I know, you know, those guys know, you know, yeah, they know, like they know their instruments, they know what microphones they like, they know where they like the microphone. So I like, you know, if it's somebody that I love their sound and I love the way they play, I'm like, here it is. I I know if you're playing violin, I know it kind of goes up here and then you can go where you like it. You know, they'll, they'll, you know, they'll find the, they'll find the spot. Yeah. What is, I just want to kind of touch on what is your perspective on the current state of the music industry right now with COVID happening and how do you cope? I mean, I know you're, you're, you stay busy with writing and producing and, and, uh, but how do you, what's kind of your, your mental state right now with, with things? I mean, it's weird. I, I, I said as a joke, a joke early on when um, everything went into lockdown, I said, man, I kind of feel like I've been preparing for this moment for 20 years. Like I, so basically I just like stay in my basement in the studio. And like your situation. <laughs> That's kind of what I was doing anyway. Um, I don't know. That's kind of how we felt. Well, the day the quarantine was announced. So it was kind of like we'd be hunkered down anyways. Yeah. Like, cool. So I stay home with my baby and right. hang out. Yeah. I mean, uh, so that part of it, um, was totally fine. Um, I've missed the energy of going to Nashville and being in a room with people. And, and I think, you know, collaborating with people, on recordings. I mean, since we've been locked down, it's, it's kind of like, um, you know, I, I luckily, you know, Sarah is 
is a musician. So, um, yeah. So there are, you know, there, there are, is another really good musician in the house that. That's, yeah. That's gotta be amazing. But I miss, uh, you know, I miss kind of hanging out with people, but, but man, I've loved, uh, I don't know. I've, I've kind of loved the zoom writing and, um, yeah, I think some people have hated it, but it's, it's been, I mean, it, there's certain things you can't do. Like you can't get in a room and just kind of, you know, vibe. You, I mean, you can't play along with somebody. It's kind of like, you know, it requires you to listen in a different way. Totally. Um, I think maybe early on it, it required a little more of, coming with an idea that was maybe a little further down the road than it would need to be if it were just two people in a room. Cause I think you, you know, the energy of being in the room would kind of move something along a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But even that, I don't think I'm doing that as much anymore. Um, so, and honestly, I, I don't know if, if you had, I think I was really excited about, I mean, we had been in Nashville for 20, something years I was excited about leaving and I think I needed a change of scenery and yeah I just needed a little more room for my my brain to work um um but I was definitely nervous about you know how do I stay connected with this community that I've I've, that I love and that I've, I've spent you know a long time building um yeah I just worry about I don't know if you do, but just this, the venues themselves. I just, I don't know how we'll go back to a state of normalcy. Who knows, man? I mean, I, I don't, you know, it's just hard to peek into the future at all. I mean, we'll, yeah. you know, I think, you know, probably, unfortunately, what's going to happen is a lot of venues will close. Yeah. Um if and when we're on the other side of a pandemic, you know, I imagine that those spaces will get filled with new venues or maybe the old people. I mean, it, it'll, you know, there will be a, I just think that, um, you know, if and when it's safe to do so, I think there's always, there are always, people are always going to want to find places to gather and, and listen right. to me. I think that's going to, I think that'll all, that'll all be fine. Um, yeah. I hope anyway, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know that performing live was an out and I'd love to hear how you feel about this. I don't know, but performing live maybe wasn't my favorite aspect of being a musician. Um, I definitely am finding so much enjoyment in these collaborations and recording and getting more into that life. Um, more so than focusing on yeah. my stage, you know, live. Yeah, I'm the same way. I, I like it. I enjoy it, you know, when I do it, but it's, I certainly don't crave it. Right. Um, I could travel, but maybe not. <laughs> yeah. I think that's right. Yeah. I, I, I crave a little bit of the, you know, the, the getting to wander a little bit, but, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, I don't, I, I don't, I haven't missed that part of it. I mean, really, I, you know, it's kind of made it easier for me to collaborate with people because I think before we were all, working under the assumption that we needed to be in a room together. So I was right. going on right, here's this week. If we can't find any time in that week, then we'll try next month or whatever. And now it's, you know, nobody knows where anybody is. We're all just on a computer screen. So it's really kind of made it 
um, I don't know, it's made it easier to, to connect with people. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm actually liking the, the virtual co-writes too. It's, it's not as bad as I thought it would be. And I think I really, I think some people just, it just does not work for them. And I, I, I totally get that, but I, um, yeah, I, I don't know. Um, I've kind of enjoyed them. Yeah. Well, uh, shameless plug, Park and I have our next single coming out next Friday, the day after Thanksgiving, so Black Friday. Oh, yes. Um, for your shopping, you should you have a you know, wonderful new Southwestern Christmas song to listen to. It's called Red Dirt Christmas. We had a lot of fun writing that one. I did. <laughs> you know, it's, I, I just love when you reached out and said, I think I want to write a Christmas song. It was just like, what kind of Christmas song are we going to write? You know? <laughs> Like, how are we even going to do They're So it's like, how do you even approach that? It's daunting. At first it was. Yeah. But I, I love, uh, again, like once we, once we found the thing. Yeah. It was so worth that initial overwhelm to yeah, push through and come up with red dirt. It just kind of unfolded and it was so much fun. And it's mm-hmm. like, so, um, I don't know. It just feels like it's so you and it feels so like, uh, I, I just love it. I love being a part of it. And, um, I love how the recording turned out. I'm, I'm very, yes. yes. I'm so excited too. And, um, the full EP that Park and I just did from a distance during COVID is, uh, dropping February, I believe 21st or 26th, the end of February, um, 2021. So I'm really excited for that to come out as well. And we're calling it Desert Noir or Southwestern Gothic, <laughs> which I think you you definitely coined Desert Noir. I love that description. I, I you know, I think I probably heard that uh, John Coinman is a guy in Kevin's band and he lives out in uh, Tucson. There's a couple of guys in his band that live in Tucson. I feel like he probably said that about something at some point and it just made sense. But yeah. But it definitely your 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 whole vibe and everything. It was just like that's that that's it. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense to me. Um, I wanted to finish out just with a question on again going back to you being a producer, despite you being a fantastic songwriter. I'm just curious personally um, if you had one big piece of advice to artists wanting to get into producing, um, what would it be? Would you say? Um, I just do it. I mean, I, I really, I think that it, it can feel so daunting and just find your, you know, find the thing that makes you excited about it and, and do it and don't be afraid of doing it wrong. I think for a long time, because I was around so many people who were really, really good at it. Yeah. I was like, you know, who am I? I? <laughs> I, knew, I knew what the bar was and I knew how far away I was from it. So I think I probably dragged my feet in that learning process. Um, so I think just do it and don't be afraid to do it wrong because sometimes that's, you know, that's how that's the what we're all about here on doing the suck, <laughs> and, you know, and play it for people and, and find people who, you know, know stuff that you don't know and ask them questions and, you know. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I think, definitely um, dare to suck. Hmm? I said definitely dare to suck. 
Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's always worth it. That initial uncomfortability is just, it's, it's something that you have kind of, I, I like to say artists, their job is to get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Yeah. <laughs> we deal so much with the intangible and just creating something from nothing all the time. So that's kind of part of the job description, you know? Yeah. So very much. Cool. Well, thank you so much for sharing your story and thank your, you. your wisdom. And I just can't wait for, for people to hear the rest of our project for sure. And to hear more music in general. I can't wait. I, Sarah and I listened to, um, uh, we listened to Coyote Love last night. We had a fire going and we were just kind of listening to some music and yeah. uh, I just, uh, I'm just, I'm excited. Me too. So, I think Find You is my new favorite. It's, I think it's been my favorite for a long time, but it's the song that you brought to the table. You had written, you had come up with the idea, the first lyric. Oh yeah. And then you, me and Olivia, Redeem, sat down and kind of we all sussed out the rest of it and I think that's the next single for January to drop. So I just I love it. Well, let's do more. Yeah, absolutely. Well, cool. Uh, where can we find more about you? You've got an Instagram, Park Chisholm. Yeah, but I'm really, I'm so bad at it. I'm kind of like a grim <laughs> boy. I mean, I, I don't know, man. I, I, I know I should make peace with social media, but I, I'd like. No, I hear you. It's, it's a like Once a day and and I, you know, hardly ever post anything. I'm certain I will be posting next Friday about, uh, about our Christmas song. Right on. I appreciate that. And, um, thank you again for your time. Thank you. I-